Hello and welcome to the Personal Development School podcast. I'm your host, Thais Gibson, and I create regular podcast episodes to teach you about your relationships, attachment style, and the subconscious mind. My goal of this podcast is to give you tools and awareness you need to thrive in your relationships, feel deeply connected, and find harmony and fulfillment in your relationships and personal life. So I hope you tune in here with me each and every week. I'm going to talk to you about seven key ways to know if the dismissive avoidant attachment style is ready for love. So this is actually a question I got from inside of our school, um, asking to do a series on, on how to tell which attachment styles, you know, if they are ready for love based on the person of that attachment style. So I'm going to go through and do a series about this. I'm going to start off with a DA. Um, and one of the first things that I want you to know that is the single most important feature that I have found about whether relationships work or not is if the person is willing to do the work. And I've seen people who are dismissive avoidant show up in, in couples work in my office, um, in the school, in different places who have extremely successful relationships and who become very secure over time. But if somebody's not willing to do the work, you can know right there that that's going to be the number one differentiating factor because then all of the challenges within their attachment style, all of the programs that might be, you know, self-sabotaging relationships or pushing people away or, you know, trying to stonewall people out to stay safe, all of these programs, you can basically guarantee that they're going to stay alive. Now, we have neuroplasticity, we have neurogenesis, we can create new neural networks, we can, we can fire and wind fire and wire new neural patterns. We can have old patterns atrophy over time. But if we're not putting in the conscious effort to reprogram the subconscious components of the things that might sabotage relationships or cause pain, then you can pretty much know that um, the relationship's going to stay challenging. The patterns that you don't like, you can pretty much see are going to stay the same. So it's really important to start understanding, like number one, is somebody able and willing to do the work? Okay. Can you introduce them to attachment cells? Can you talk about new ways of communicating? Can you ask for your needs to be met? And do they show up and do they put in effort? And if they do this, then this is a great reason to try to work through things in the relationship because you'll get to learn and grow as you learn to communicate differently. And if the other person's showing up, even if they're imperfect, because you, you know we all will be, if there's momentum and movement and change and that change is being repeated in a way that's getting hardwired, then this is very promising. But if somebody's resistant, they blame, they're not willing to look at themselves, then that's when we run into problems. So that's number one, single most important thing by far, they're willing to work for it, okay? Number two, dismissive avoidance will try to be vulnerable, okay? Even if, they are imperfect at it. And I've seen so many sweet, sweet dismissive avoidance over the years who are, they're really trying to be vulnerable. And I've worked with them, you know, one-to-one -one, and they'll say, you know, I communicated a need and like, it'll be a really teeny tiny need and it'll be, you know, not, not too vulnerable by maybe like a securely attached person's point of view to communicate. But for them, this is like heavy lifting. It can be really scary for them to, to be vulnerable, to open up, to share feelings. And so, you know, if you see that you're with a dismissive avoidant and you see that they are doing the work and you see them putting in the effort with vulnerability and communication and all these different pieces, it's really good to positively reinforce that because it makes them feel safe. It makes them feel like, okay, I'm doing the right thing. A lot of dismissive avoidance from what I've seen 
they'll try to do the work and then they kind of feel really confused. Like, am I doing it right? And they really appreciate having lots of feedback around that. Okay. Number three, you'll see that they'll try to meet your needs. Okay. They dismissive avoidance really want clarity when you express needs. I can't stress this enough. If you say like, I need more love in the relationship, I can tell you right now they're going to feel confused. They're going to be like, I feel like I love you. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And then they just shut down a lot of those times. And so, so it's, it's our responsibility as people, irrespective of a dismissive avoidant, securely attached person, whoever we're interacting with in any kind of relationship, it's our job to communicate our needs and to do so clearly and directly and with intentions, being hopeful and optimistic that somebody will meet them, but not with expectations, not with attachments, not thinking like, oh, if this person doesn't meet the need, then, you know, I can't deal with them. Knowing that people are going to do their best seeing your own needs through, communicating frequently, reminding people if they forget. And as long as you're seeing momentum there, this is a really good sign. You might see that the dismissive avoidant does a good job for a little bit, then they forget. Good. Go remind them. Go. It's up to us to feel really empowered. That's part of becoming secure is feeling really empowered. Like, oh, if I have a need and, and the person's not meeting it, fine. I can meet it myself. I can have healthy interdependence where I rely on both myself and others. And if it's important for me to get that need met from that person, from the relationship, good. I'm going to circle back around and I'm going to continue to communicate. Now, if you see that somebody never meets the need and they don't show up, then that's a sign that the person is not ready for love, ready for a deeper relationship, ready to do the work and, and thrive, right? So then in that case, you might have to consider leaving the relationship. But if we're seeing that somebody does a good job and then they forget a little bit and then you remind them they do a good job again and then they forget, sometimes you'll see in the nature of relationships that we can take five steps forward and then a step or two back and then a few more steps forward and it can, it goes like this a little bit, right? And it's common too, just on a side note here overall, that dismissive avoidance can have feelings for somebody in a relationship and they can love and they can feel and feel attraction and romance and chemistry towards somebody, but they may not, they might not be ready to do the work. And in those cases, like, it's a tough spot, right? Because you can know somebody cares, but if they're not willing to put in the work, you can guarantee that what you're getting in the relationship now is probably what you're going to get long-term. And you have to ask yourself that question, am I happy with this right now? Am I okay with the standard of relationship? But if you see somebody changing and pushing and working and trying, then you know that transformation is happening. You know that there's growth to, to do together. Um, and a great rule is don't date somebody's potential. Like, imagine, I think there's a, a quote from Maya Angelou and she says, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. And that's really important. If you see the person changing, great. If you see the person being stagnant, refusing, being resistant, that's important feedback too. Okay. So number four, they will actively listen and try to understand your point. This is actually a really big one I see when dismissive avoidance are trying to change. They are making space. Like dismissive avoidance tend to be fact gatherers. They like to gather information. And sometimes gathering that information and trying to understand helps them feel a little bit safer and helps them feel like, okay, I kind of know which direction. And so one of the very first early stage things you'll see if a dismissive avoidant is really ready for love, really ready to, to be in a healthy relationship is that, and I'm not saying that they have all the tools. I'm saying that they're ready to, to enter into, they, they want this, they're, they're, they care to value a romantic partnership or maybe it's the type of friendship or maybe it's, it's a, you know, rekindling a family relationship, but you'll see that they will actively listen because this is them trying to gather so they can then process and then make decisions and have new behaviors. And so 
you'll see that they won't make your feelings wrong. Um, they might set a boundary sometimes and say like, hey, can you communicate to me more nicely? Um, or they might withdraw sometimes if the communication is not positive, it's very critical or harsh from the other person's end. But what you'll see when somebody's really trying who's a DA is you'll see that they, they try to be present. They try to gather all the information. You can see like the wheels are turning. They try to understand your point of view. And this is a really important thing for relationships overall. Number five, there will be an element of consistency to their behavior of change. So they may, it's not going to be completely consistent. They are going to falter. They're going to make mistakes just like anybody else going through change and transformation. You're going to see that they have moments where they forget things. There's drawbacks. There's, there's pitfalls that they fall, you know, these things take place. But one thing you'll see as an underlying theme is that they still show up and try again. And that is a really promising sign from a dismissive avoidant. Okay. Number six, you'll see that they don't hold grudges for you when you're working on something together. They're not putting you in a box like, well, you made one mistake once. How dare you? Or they're not thinking in these absolutes. And that's a really important um, signpost of somebody really willing to stick it out, really willing to work through challenges, really willing to dive into a relationship and find a way to evolve together is that they're not putting you in a box of the past. That's an act of self-sabotage to a certain degree. If we have two people coming together, relating to each other, and one of them's like, oh, you're that same person from the past, and we're always putting that person back in the box of the past again, we actually co-create a cycle where we are stunting their growth because we're preventing them from evolving. We're not seeing them and the progress and validating and helping um, reinforce through emotion, um, which is part of how the subconscious is programmed. We're not Keep it. We're we're keeping them in this. We're not keeping them in this old space. We're putting them into this new space and reinforcing changes and encouraging each other and uplifting. And you'll see that when a DA is changing, they or when they're re ready to work on the relationship, they don't put somebody in the box of the past any longer, or they really put an end to it overall. And last but not least, they start to communicate their own needs and they they work to. Um, express more vulnerably and clearly with their own needs. And this is a really beautiful sign. When you have a dismissal avoidant who's coming to the table and saying what they need, it's a very, very powerful signpost. This is one of the later things that you'll see as the dismissal avoidant is really becoming secure because it's one of the most vulnerable things that they can do and it feels confusing for them and they're not used to interdependence. They're used to in independence. So this is a huge step towards transformation as well. So I have some really exciting news and it's that integrated attachment theory training is back. In other words, you can be trained to become a relationship coach certified in integrated attachment theory in literally 60 days. So who is this for? Well, of course, this is for any individual who wants to make an impact and really be of service to others while also obtaining freedom and flexibility and abundance in their lives. And this is also for anybody who's already a counselor, a therapist, a coach, and just really wants to expand their toolkit. We've had so many people enter into the Integrated Attachment Theory program because they're just looking to obtain a certain degree of mastery in terms of understanding their own attachment patterns and also the attachment patterns of maybe their children or partner or other loved ones in their lives so they can really support those people and understand them more deeply. Now, please keep in mind that the last two times we ran this program, we filled up very fast. In fact, we oversold the programs and sold up completely. So if you're interested, click the link below to learn more and dive in with me. And I'd love to see you on the other side before seats run out.